In the early 1900s, a man named Sir uh, Ernest Shackleton was looking for a crew of men to sail with him to the South Pole to go by land across the South Pole. He put this advertisement in the papers of London. Men wanted for a hazardous journey. Small wages, bitter cold, long months of complete darkness, constant danger, safe return doubtful, honor and recognition in case of success. Who wants on board that ship? Believe it or not, over 5,000 men applied for those positions, of which he chose 27 to go with him. The ship was named the Endurance. It's a fitting name for the incredible adventure that they went on and all survived. Amazing. As I said, we're looking into the life of Hezekiah, and I wanted to again explain why you look into the Old Testament for things that pertain to your life today. This is what the Lord said through the Holy Spirit in His Word. Everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in Scripture and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Encouragement, endurance, and hope. We could all use some of that, and especially every dad in the room today. Like you, Hezekiah faced one thing after another. You think, finally, I can take a breath. I got that one solved. Wait a minute. Tomorrow's coming, and with it, something brand new that's going to require everything you've got in you to deal with. In Hezekiah's case, there was a constant concern for the nation's security. He was in charge. And there were threats all around. He had his own health issues to deal with. And he fought this inner battle we all face of wanting to be recognized, wanting to be acknowledged as somebody important, and to know that he counted. So I just chose three parts of his biography today to share with you as quickly, briefly as I can, but just so many good points in his life. First, he was between a rock and a hard place. Have you been there? I expect that some of you are there today. King Hezekiah was 29 years old. He was just four years into his reign. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Daily worship was restored at the temple. Pagan idols were removed. He reestablished the holidays, Passover and the Day of Atonement and so forth. Generous offerings because he taught the people again to tithe. They began to be generous and they were able to provide all the needs for the Levites and the priests so that they could work full time in the temple. So the temple sacrifices resumed and all the goodness of, of life resumed. And it was good. Everybody lived happily ever after. That's how it goes, right? No. That's not how it goes, because in the fourth year of his reign, when he was 29 years old, the region was at war. For many generations, the ten tribes to the north of Israel had walked away from the living God. And now it was payday. There's always a payday. When you walk away from God, when you disobey Him, there's a payday. 
sooner or later, there's a payday. And this is what it says in 2 Kings chapter 17. The Lord warned Israel and Judah through all of his prophets and seers, turn from your evil ways. But they would not listen and were as stiff-necked as their fathers who did not trust in the Lord their God. They rejected his decrees. They followed worthless idols and themselves became worthless. So the Lord was very angry with Israel and removed them from his presence. The Lord used a powerful army from Assyria to come in and destroy the capital city of Samaria and deport the people to far off lands. Payday. God makes it happen. So these were very unsettled times. The big power to the south was Egypt. The big power, aggressive power from the north was Assyria. Uh, the small nation of Judah was in between a rock and a hard place. Ahaz, the previous king, solved the problem by paying protection money. You know what you do with a bully. You either punch him in the nose or you kind of pacify him. And that's what Ahaz did. He paid protection money to Assyria. We'll pay you money. You leave us alone. Deal? Deal. But now there was a new king, Hezekiah. Would he keep up with that protection money deal or not? Now, some of you scholars in the room will remember this quote from Shakespeare, who said, Uneasy lies the head that wears the crown. Right? If you are the king, somebody wants your crown. They want your position. That was true of the king of Assyria, too. His name was Shalmaneser. He had his own issues from the Bible record and from the history of Assyria we know that he had all kinds of threats to his throne. There was a city up north named Tyre that was giving him fits. He was trying to conquer it. They would not knuckle under. And there was a city to the northeast called Babylon that you know rose to power later on. But right now, they were in open rebellion. He spent three years trying to lay siege to Samaria. He had a lot of plates spinning, a lot of things going on as his, under his rule. And so during this confusion... Ahaz says, this would be a good time to stop paying the protection money. We'll just keep that back. We'll keep it for ourselves. But now, 14 years later, into the reign of Hezekiah, fast forward now, the bully returns. And he was in a bad mood. And in a surprising turn of events, our man Hezekiah sends this message He sends this message to the king of Assyria. I have done wrong. Withdraw from me and I will pay whatever you demand of me. The price he paid was 11 tons of silver. Did you hear that? 11 tons of silver and a ton of gold. That's what it says at the footnote of the bottom of your page in the Bible, perhaps. To pay the price, Hezekiah had to strip off the gold from the temple and the palace, the gold and the silver, to pay Man, these were desperate times. And you think, what what happened to our man who was a man of prayer and who trusted the Lord? What happened to that guy? You might be disappointed when you read his biography to see how our guy reacted to the pressure of the moment. But one thing you need to know is that the Bible hides nothing. Our greatest heroes are flawed. 
They're fallible. And in a crisis, you might find yourself in that predicament. We often say things and do things that almost deny our faith. I read his biographies and I see the flaws and then I review my own life and I say, what did you just say? Why why did you do that? You know better than that. Why did you do that? One guy put it like this in a in a post I read recently. It says, my yelling at squirrels in the street to move so they don't die is probably the same feeling that God has watching me live my life most days. Get that. Read that one more time. You're driving down the road. There goes a squirrel. You go, no, you dumb squirrel. Get out of the way. And God is saying, Bowers, what are you doing? Hezekiah, I'm right here. I can help you. What are you doing taking the gold from the temple? Regret. June 6, 1944. We just celebrated again the anniversary of the invasion of Normandy. Uh, Company A of the 1st Infantry Division was the first to land on Normandy uh, to, in an attempt to liber- liberate Europe from German dominance. Those soldiers came under a murderous crossfire, as you probably know. Within 10 minutes, Company A had lost all of their officers and suffered 75% casualties. One soldier hit the beach, scared to death, 19 years old. Death was all around him. He froze. He dug into the sand, and he pulled the body of a dead comrade on top of him. And he stayed there all morning. A few hours later, when the beach was a little bit more secured and quiet, he came out from his hiding place and he rejoined, he found and rejoined what was left of his group and he, he joined the fight and he fought the rest of his tour with honor and distinction and he survived the war and he in fact won medals, but he kept the secret to himself until the 50th anniversary of D-Day. His experience haunted him. Deep sorrow and regret. Almost wished that he had died with his buddies. Great regret, but it did not define him. I believe that paying protection money and giving the gold from the temple and the silver from the palace to the enemy haunted our man Hezekiah. But it didn't stop there. It didn't define him. When the Lord gave him a second chance, he chose differently. He chose courage, which we will see next week in an amazing story. When you're between a rock and a hard place, Choose the rock. The rock of Christ. Here's a second part of his biography that needs to be looked at. He was chosen to go on living. Now, 
This might be an old story to you, but I love it. I'm going to tell it again. <laughs> There's a couple, Millie and Maurice. Uh, Millie went to the doctor's office with her husband, Maurice. Uh, after the doctor had given Maurice a full checkup, he called Millie into the office alone. And the doctor said, man, your husband is suffering terribly from a serious disease brought on by stress. And if you don't do the following instructions, your husband's probably going to die. Here it is. Each morning, wake him up gently with a big kiss. Then fix him a healthy breakfast and be pleasant at all times. Provide his favorite meals and allow him to just relax after he eats. Don't burden him with any chores. Don't argue with him. Even if he starts something you don't like, don't argue with him at all. Give him a massage every evening. Let him be in charge of the remote TV from now on. Most important, do whatever it takes to satisfy his every whim. If you can do all these things every day for six months, I think your husband's going to recover. Well, she left the office, got in the car, and they were driving home. And Maurice, the husband, asked Millie, the wife, Honey, what did the doctor say to you? And she said, The doctor said you're going to die. Love it. (laughs) Well, this might be news to you, but Hezekiah was told by God, you're going to die. Here's how it went down. In those days, Hezekiah became ill. He was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah went to him and said, this is what the Lord says, put your house in order because you are going to die. You will not recover. Man, has Isaiah, just stay away from me. I don't want you talking to me about anything. I don't, every time you show up, it's trouble, it seems like. The king was in the prime of his life at this time. If you do the math, he's 38, 39 years old, somewhere in there. But this is how he reacted. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, Lord, how I walked with you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what was good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly before I, Isaiah had left the middle court. The word of the Lord came to him. Go back and tell Hezekiah, the ruler of my people. This is what the Lord, the God of your father, David, says. I have heard your prayer. I have seen your heart. I will heal you. I will add 15 years to your life. And I will deliver you and the city from the hand of the king of Assyria. Wow. What a story, huh? What sobering words. Put your house in order because you're going to die. You think, what What do I need to do to put my house in order? If I'm going to die, what, what needs to happen? Now, most of the young people in the room think this applies to older people, but you are living on borrowed time yourself. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow to you. I mean, the doctor, you know, called Dev and I in and told us I'm going to have this big operation. And, uh, you know, we drive home thinking, okay, what do we need to do in case? Uh, we, we think about reviewing our wills, you know, is everything okay with that? 
okay, what are you going to do if I'm not around? And this is what I think you should do. But she's going to do whatever she wants to anyway, right? That's, I, I was kind of talking to the Lord saying, Lord, I was, I was hoping I could stick around long enough to see the Bills win the Super Bowl, but you know, uh, yes, there's that, but Hezekiah was deeper than I am. He wanted to return to the temple and spend more time in worship. He, he said, I will not see the Lord again in the land of the living. And he, he liked that. He liked worship and he liked walking with the Lord. And so with all this regret, knowing all this has gone away, he turned to the wall and he cried and he prayed and you can read his prayer. And the Lord answered like that. Don't you think? That is pretty amazing because sometimes the Lord takes His good old sweet time in answering a prayer. And before Isaiah could leave the temple grounds, the Lord said, Wait a minute, go back. I changed my mind on this one for for 15 years at least. So Isaiah goes back and says, Wait a minute, April Fool's correction. Good news, you are going to die, but not for 15 years. I think many of us can identify with this story. Uh, some of you have, by God's grace and the miracle of modern medicine, had your lives extended. I sure have. I'm walking around grateful that I'm here today. The truth is, most of us should not have survived childhood. Right? How many trees did you fall out of? How many times did you get shot with the BB gun? I mean, how many times did you cross the street with a car coming and the car slowed down and the driver was shaking his head saying, someday you're going to not... It's all of that. Most of us should have died in childhood. I know darn well most of us shouldn't have survived our college years. And here we are. We do not have a 15-year warranty, do we? None of us in the room have a 15-year warranty. But we have today. Today. What will you do with this gift you've been given today? Now, before my surgery, I was given a list of people that had the same surgery I had. And they told me, if you want to know how it goes down, give these people a call. They'll help you. And so I probably called Ten or so people on the list. And um, I, I interviewed each one of them, took notes from each one of them. And one of the first people I called was a woman who lives not far from here who had the same surgery, but she had very severe complications to the surgery. And she remained in the hospital for over 50 days. And it was touch and go for quite a while there. But as she began to turn a corner and recover, she told her husband, Listen, when I get out of here, we're going to celebrate, and it's going to cost you some money. (laughs) Husband said, Okay, whatever, let's do this. So the day came, and she told me the day that she got out of the hospital, her first stop leaving the hospital was to stop at a restaurant and get some chicken wings. Okay. Let's start with wings and go from there, right? She said her next stop on the way home was a jewelry store. Yeah, ladies, she wanted some more bling. 
then she wasn't done yet. She's still not really strong enough to do shopping and all that stuff, so she's kind of gimping around, getting in and out. But she wanted to stop one more store. The place where they sell snowmobiles. And before they got home, they negotiated a price with the owner and bought two brand new snowmobiles. Man. Then she told me the next day she got up and she was so happy to be out of the hospital and with a future of some kind ahead of her that they booked a trip to Europe. Man. That's really amazing. I said, boy, Deb... We got off cheap. All I wanted when I got out of the hospital was a bowl of chili from Wendy's. That's, that's all I, that's good enough for me. Let's just, well, we have this scriptures that have these treasures in it. And you can see in Isaiah 38 that King Hezekiah wrote kind of an essay, a journal entry of what he thought and how he felt about this experience of his life being extended and what he should do with the time remaining. So I'll just share a little part of it with you. You can read the whole thing in Isaiah 38. He says, You restored me to health and let me live. Surely it was for my benefit. It was my benefit that I suffered such anguish. In your love you kept me from the pit of destruction. You have put all my sins behind your back. For the grave can't praise you. Death cannot sing your praise. Those who go down to the pit cannot hope for your faithfulness. The living, that's you guys. It's you, the living. They praise you. As I am doing today, parents tell their children about your faithfulness. His bucket list changed. Boy, I was going to do this. Now i got these two things. I'm going to do these two things. I'm going to praise you. And I'm going to tell my kids about your faithfulness. A few years back, some of us uh, worked our way through a book called The Circle Maker. It's a very insightful, inspirational study on prayer. And the author ended the book by challenging all the readers to make a list of goals that we'd like to accomplish and pray our way through those goals. And Mark Batterson was the author, and he just blew our minds. Because on the pages that followed, he had listed 115 things that he wanted to accomplish in his life. And we're just going like, really? Uh, Well, here's for instance, uh, he listed things like, I want to take a hot air balloon ride. I want to go to a Green Bay Packers game at Lambeau Field. I want to celebrate an anniversary with my wife in Italy. I want to baptize 3,000 people at the same place at the same time. I want to speak at a college commencement. I want to live on 10% of my income and give away 90% of my income. I want to be able to bench press 250 pounds when I'm in my 50s. We looked at that thing and we go, Oh my goodness, my dreams are so small compared to what he wants to do. But since I could already bench press 250 pounds, about the only thing I could come up with was was, uh, I wanted to visit every Major League Baseball stadium and watch a baseball game. That's still on the list. But 
You know how it goes. When you have a loss of a loved one or an accident in your life or a near-death experience, a major surgery, your bucket list gets reevaluated. Some of that stuff that you thought was important, forget about it. Yesterday I shared in a funeral of a man who was 58 years old, well-liked, well-known, who walked into work last month, said good morning to his fellow employees, and collapsed and never woke up. I drove away from that grieving family yesterday, and I'm thinking, for some reason, I have been spared, and the Lord has allowed me to go on living. What now? What am I supposed to do with this time? Visiting every Major League Baseball park? Selfishly, that'd be great. But here's what I want. Here's what I think it's about for me, and I think for you. Happy Father's Day. I want to see my kids and their kids and their kids and their kids and their kids kids walk faithfully before the Lord and reunite with me in heaven someday. I can't think of anything else I need after that. That'll work right there. From here on out, I see two things on Hezekiah's bucket list. The living, the living praise you as I am doing today. And fathers tell their children about your faithfulness. That's pretty good stuff for a bucket list. Here's the third part of his biography that I'd like to share with you today. Walk humbly. Here's one of the biggest buts in the Bible. It says it like this in 2 Chronicles 33. In those days Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. He prayed to the Lord who answered him and gave him a miraculous sign, which I omitted. You'll have to read about that. But Hezekiah's heart was proud and he did not respond to the kindness shown him. Therefore, the Lord's wrath was on him and on Judah and Jerusalem. And I've gone, oh man. Again, the Bible hides nothing. I want him to cover up that stuff because I like Hezekiah. Why did he do that? God had done a great work for him and Hezekiah got the big head. Look at me. He forgot his bucket list. Why is pride so objectionable to God? Well, it makes you think you're all that and you don't need God. I don't need Him. And so He has a way of reminding you that you need Him. We we live for an audience of one. When the worship team is up here singing, they're not performing for an audience. They're giving praise to the audience of one. We just get to listen. Whatever you do in your life, you're doing for an audience of one. But you know how it goes. We like to be seen. We like those thumbs up on Facebook. We like our name included on the list. we got to get our brand out there so people know about us. 
Hezekiah was like that. He wanted the conversation to be about him. My accomplishments. <coughs> Excuse me. But the idea is to walk humbly. Realize that everything you are and everything you have and everything you might ever accomplish is a gift. You're dependent upon God. It could go away. It could all go away, but you'd, you'd still have God and He's more than enough. I read a story about a guy named Harry Henry Nowen, I think is how you pronounce his name. He was a Catholic priest, a brilliant mind. He was a, a professor, uh, an author of 39 books, translated into many languages, sold over 7 million copies of his books. He taught at the University of Notre Dame and then was transferred and taught at Harvard School of Theology. He was a highly respected a speaker. Uh, he was at the zenith of his career and of education. And you know what he did? In 1985, he resigned his position at Harvard. And he walked away and he spent the rest of his life living in a community for those with developmental disabilities. He spent the biggest part of every day coming in and caring for a severely young, disabled man named Adam. And his colleagues are saying, how how could you do that? You go from this high position at Harvard to this obscure position where nobody even knows where you work with those kind of people. And he said, I just want to be obedient to the calling I've received. You may want to be influential and you may want to be recognized, but God would just prefer that you just walk quietly before Him. Be humble. Be obedient. Be available. And as we'll see next time, when God finds people like that, He finds a job for them to do. Often, in the public eye. Before, Hezekiah was acting like he didn't need God. But he came to his senses. He gave up his ambition. He lived for the purpose of bringing glory to God. It's a quick turnaround. But look at what it says. It was just a short phrase. He was proud in his heart and the Lord turned against him. But then very quickly, this is what it says. Then Hezekiah repented of the pride of his heart. As did the people of Jerusalem. Therefore the Lord's wrath did not come on them during Hezekiah's days. Hezekiah had very great wealth and honor and made the treasuries for his silver and gold and for precious stones and spices and shields and all kind of valuables. He built villages and acquired great numbers of flocks and herds for God had given him very great riches. He succeeded in everything he undertook. What a turnaround. The turnaround started with humility. I got nothing if I don't have God. Joy, I can invite you and Shailene and the others to come back up. Uh, Let me just close with these three ideas in this summary of this part of his life, this part of his biography. And I will just tell you that there's a lot more that I didn't cover today. And I would encourage you to look in the Scriptures and you can read about his life. First, 
When you're between a rock and a hard place, choose the rock, the rock of Christ. Second, for some reason, you right now have been chosen to go on living. Don't take it for granted. Make it count. Praise Him and pass your faith along to the next generation. And finally, when you think it's all about you, you've ignored the One who made you. Humble yourself and turn back to Him. God doesn't love you because what you can do for Him. He loves you because who He is. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And I'm amazed at the grace He showed Hezekiah. And I'm amazed at the grace He's shown me. If you would like to know more about it, we would love to talk with you. 